Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux, and with me as always is your co-host. He came here to drink milk and talk about Bionicle, and he's all out of milk. It's Griffin Davis. Oh, man. Bionicles were so cool. The teen Lego. Yeah, truly the Lego for teens. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I today stumbled upon a podcast about a guy who calls his friend every morning and tells him a little bit about Bionicle before he goes to work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, just, it's been on my mind all day. Is this a running bit or is this like an earnest thing he's doing? It's just the whole podcast. It's just like he calls him and they talk about <laughs> Bionicle for half an hour while his friend's like waking up and making breakfast. It's very well, because weird. Bi- because Bionicle had a deep lore. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. But like, yeah, it is extensive. <laughs> you could almost make an entire JRPG out of it. Well, Lux, uh, one story I wanted to bring up and just in, our, in this little quick news area at the beginning, uh, I just read an article saying that uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 people have been working over 100 hours a week uh, to finish the game. Uh, Did you read that story? No, I didn't, but glad we have another video games are horrible for labor rights <laughs> article. It, they are. Around. No, they're terrible. It's a fucking terrible industry full of crime. Remember when the voice actors tried to unionize and everyone got mad? Video games are terrible for labor rights. <laughs> <laughs> we got some. We got a picketer outside the window right now. Oh, give me back my good hours. Uh, <laughs> this picket sign more manual labor than my job. <laughs> uh, he's got a strong message. I think he's gonna win out there. Yeah, no, uh, I'm glad. It's good. <laughs> it's good to see the people making their voices heard. In this, the American democracy. Um, I didn't see that article, but it doesn't surprise me, man. That's what happens just all the fucking time. It sucks. Um, I'm still going to play that game, though, is the problem with me as a person. Yeah, so, like, here's the thing. is that We love we love these games. Like, GTA V came out in 2013 and is still, like, one of the most polished video games, like, I've ever played. Uh, and I know that took, like, so much labor uh, and, like, human sacrifice to, like, achieve so it's like, uh, do we want everyone to unionize and like have le- like either less games or less polished games? Like, is that what we want? Lux, tell yes, me what I, I want. I want everyone to unionize and then also like they can still make good games. Like those two things are mutually exclusive. Right. Because they can pay people overtime, right? Like, that's, yes, that is allowed. That's allowed. Yeah. It's a thing that they can probably, no. you know, yeah, budget like, in. Not in Japan. <laughs> We have to work a lot over there. Our protester outside is extremely knowledgeable about esoteric sort of labor law things. No, I think that was a second protester, um, but it was an international protester. Uh, Hey, how often do you come to protest this podcast? I come here every time they do one, and they... We're the same person. Yeah. Um, There's like a whole fight club situation happening outside your house. Um, Speaking of fighting and clubs, uh, my Blood Bowl club had a fight uh, and I lost again. Nice. Um, But I was very close this time. So I'm feeling like we're getting better every week. Um, Well, that's very exciting. I've been playing playing a golf story about to finish that. What a great game. Um, But before these protesters um, batter down our doors, uh, I think we should uh, let one in. Um, and hey, uh, he's sitting sure down right here right the now. Right one in. Griffin, Griffin, can you let me in? There's oh, okay. these two protesters out here. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm yes ending this scenario and I'm opening the door. Please get off of me, sir. Get off of me, sir. Oh, God. Griffin. Wow. 
What the fuck? I'm so sorry. Why are there two people, one international, <laughs> one clearly domestic, who have an incredible knowledge of video games, and yet like a like an, an adolescent voice? It's who's this? Hello, hey, hey Lux, um, how's it going? I, I think uh, I, I'm sorry. It's just the we love we love big video games, and we want them to be made no matter what. We you court know, the pyramids didn't happen overnight. It's just insane how well you guys are known at this point. I mean, yeah. even by two people to show up at your house, I would consider that a victory. Yeah. yeah. I hope they're both subscribers. I really do. They can yell if they subscribe, they can yell this as much as they want, honestly. Um, but yeah, so uh, so sorry that you had to, uh, to sw- get through the swarm and the angry mob outside. But welcome uh, to the podcast, uh, Gregory Bordelon. That's oh, how you say your last name, right? Bordelon. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's Cajun. So oh, yeah, it sounds, nice. sounds the way it's spelled. Okay. Um, well, uh, so Gregory, you are a, a, a sketch comedian. Would you describe yourself as that? I would. I would. But, you know, does it employ me currently? <laughs> no. Like, I, is that really a profession then? Yeah. Um, we, none of us should describe what actually pays us. <laughs> you know what? I think that is such a Western thing, though. You know, in other countries, they're like, what do you do? And people say what they enjoy or what their hobbies sure. are. You know, and here, you know, we just talk about what our profession is. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's a really big part of your identity, mm-hmm. and and your profession is um, sketch comedians. <laughs> I'm not making money right now. <laughs> um, but uh, I I uh, met you uh, at at a certain sketch competition uh, at UCB uh, in L- in Los Angeles. Uh, you're on a team called uh, William Williams. I am. Yeah, I'm a performer and a writer. Yeah, you guys are uh, very funny. Um, but uh, zooming back a little bit, where are you from? I'm from Dallas, Texas originally. I had a brief stint. Uh, in first grade in Amarillo, Texas, uh, but you know, North Texas, my whole life, and then I moved uh, to California for Chapman University. So mm. it was just one idyllic white suburb to another idyllic <laughs> white suburb. I feel like that is just the trajectory of most young Americans today. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Chapman is quite the. Uh, it kind of seems like uh, every, it's a very small town in an, an almost creepy way. Definitely. There was this, uh, this weird problem at Chapman. You had you had this university developing of about 7,000 students. And then it was in the middle of this Latino neighborhood. But also there was a lot of old people that were trying to hold on the historic preservation of orange. Mm-hmm. So you just had old people, Hispanic families, and then just white college students. <laughs> and no one got along ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I any any town that's just like a college town, which Chapman is, is just like we had we had this thing called Undie Run, and once a semester, like during finals week, we would all get in our underwear at midnight and just run to the fountain and run back. And I, the the original point of it is that it was a clothing drive. Yeah, one thing you know, a town is small when there's just the fountain. Yeah, no, when there's like, <laughs> yeah, when you refer to the fountain, well, it's like that's like how the town I went to college in. People didn't use street names. They just had the number. Like, I just lived at 12. I no f- way. Yeah, I had friends at 101 and 32. Wow, that feels like an like artistic commune. But you know, so you went to film school, correct? I did. I Chapman's went to film a really school. great film school. Yeah. Um, I'm really against film school, as I've talked about on this podcast in the past. But <laughs> Chapman, I think, is actually one of the good ones because they give you lots of equipment, right? They actually like, yeah. let you make movies. Yeah, I remember my first class uh, freshman year, I was given a DSLR. Yeah. And I was just told to make a movie that's, on day one. That's like... I, I, yeah, that's exactly what every film school should do. And I hopefully more of them are starting to do that. Um, but so I'm always interested because I also uh, went to film school. When yeah. did you train? Like, was sketch comedy always on your mind or how did you go from being a film student mm-hmm. to, to sketch? That's interesting. I 
I, I got onto our school's improv team my freshman year, and that was uh, kind of the birth into comedy. I, I was really going down this journalism route for the longest time. And then when I started to do improv, I broke out of that. And um, I didn't seriously pursue comedy outside of that team until I got to L.A. Um, and I just, you know, I met my group of friends through random friendship stuff. A lot of them went to Belmont University. And so we just developed our sketch team together and we made a stake to be independent. Um, and that's kind of been my experience. I've, I've only done one class at uh, UCB um, and I haven't taken any other classes besides mm -hmm. that. So I feel like comedy has just been this um, a tool more than anything. That's mm -hmm. just uh, maybe I'm passively accepting into my life. I haven't really just bucked it by the horns yeah. and just gone for it. But mm -hmm. um, One thing I noticed was like I didn't realize it at the time, but a lot of the reasons that I wanted to make videos was from like – sketch comedy I'd watched like oh, on old YouTube. Exactly. Like exactly. Lonely Island and like Good Neighbor stuff and stuff like that. Huge inspiration. Like, that, yeah. But that wasn't like, that didn't like completely like go through and like all through film school I still was thinking about like making features and you stuff were. like that. Did you um, ever? And I didn't make that connection that I was like, oh, like that's the kind of stuff that like I liked like that early YouTube. For sure. For sure. Did you ever, so there was never a point in college where you made sketches? At all? Never. Never? I, I, made, I made like short films that were comedic, but they were very much short films. When you also left school at a certain point, right? Yeah, I dropped okay. out after two years. I It was after my two-year mark that I actually started making sketches again. Because mm -hmm. I did it, like I did YouTube back in high school and growing up in my neighborhood. Um, and I think just to correct that, I think sketches were always the first format. It was, mm -hmm. it was God, what was it? It was Britannic. It was... Mm -hmm. um, Good neighbor. Um, it was Derek comedy. Yeah, I think, Derek I think comedy those was the, the major one for me because I, yeah, my background is I've been doing sketch. I did sketch and improv when I was like started when I was like fourteen. Yeah, and yeah. then just kept doing it through college and shit, and didn't think of it as like a real thing to do until after my plan for what I was going to do after college failed disastrously, um, <laughs> <laughs> and completely. And then it was like, oh, I guess I better do this other skill set I've cultivated. So that's the only reason I got into like doing comedy professionally is like for the money. <laughs> well, no, because I ran it off because I failed miserably at the other stuff. Yeah, it, it's really it's a beautiful thing. And kind of, you know, from your perspective, too, it's sketch is always this thing where you can do as a, as a naive filmmaker. It works with the medium because mm -hmm. if you're trying to be funny or you're being silly or you do a weird crop or push in, yeah. it's justified. And there's like so many, there's so many, there's so many short films that should have just been sketches. Yes. <laughs> so many. And yeah, there's so well, many sketches that could have been short films. Yeah. If you're good at sketch and especially good at digital sketch, you can really explore an idea in lots of like different creative ways and go pretty deep in like three minutes. A lot of short films, like nine minute versions of that that just don't need to be so. But old. this isn't the student film podcast. Mm -hmm. This is a video game podcast. <laughs> and I want to say, what are video games and what, what relationship do they play in your life? Video games absolutely were like the cornerstone of my friendships in elementary and middle school, even high school. Um, we, I guess it's so funny. I feel like a lot of people got into video games after card games. I was kind of in that weird turn time. So I... I started on Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and that was like in third grade. Third. Oh, that's a, that is an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. it's and like we a used transition to period. I mean, we, because yeah, we know Yu-Gi-Oh well. We used to have a whole segment <laughs> about Yu-Gi-Oh. The times have changed. <laughs> yeah, Griffin said we couldn't do it uh, anymore. There's a there's a great Yu-Gi-Oh meme on the internet. Sorry to interrupt your story. Uh, that was uh, uh, blue eyes, white privilege. On uh, and it was a real. picture of a Yu-Gi-Oh card with like a white family on it. It was oh pretty great. Oh my god, the retaliation for that is like Dark Magician has rights too. <laughs> Dark Magician lives matter. <laughs> well, that's great. 
great. I will have to put, about to put that on Game Boy's pod on Instagram. But anyways, yeah. uh, so you started with you, you yeah. always play games with your friends. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We always played card games, mm-hmm. and then I guess the it was always like Pokemon for the Advance and the SP were the things that I would play in elementary school, and then I. Oh my god, no. My first video game I ever played was Rayman. Do you guys remember yeah. the old yeah. like yeah, SP version of Rayman? That shit was great. Are we that, talking the 2D or the 3D? We're talking 2D. 2D. Yeah. 2D. Yeah. Yeah, the one, yeah, it was Yeah, the SP was my first system and then, you know, I got my GameCube and I did all of Oh my god, I'll never forget that morning waking up on Christmas and getting my GameCube. Uh-huh. I just played Mario Sunshine for 72 hours. Oh yeah, baby. Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, Big fan. God. I feel like that is honestly, that's I thought of this a lot because of because of this podcast cuz people are always like my first system, I got it on Christmas and I woke up. And I'm Jewish, which if you you can't tell from listening to me, you can definitely tell from looking at me on the video chat. Um, oh, you but, are. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll I'll just rebuttal that and I'll say same experience, different spirituality. I'm super Catholic. Just kidding. I'm not. I'm a defect Catholic, but was raised that way. Yeah. But and so we had the same Christmas the thing morning. that always I've realized recently is that it's so dope that on Christmas you get to wake up and get a present because on Hanukkah you get it at night. So I got my first system at like. 9 p.m. Oh my god, they're like, here's your system. Now go to bed. Yeah, exactly. They were <laughs> oh, like, oh fuck that. Yeah, that's what I got. Wow. That, like, I didn't realize how kind of cruel that is until like a couple of days ago. I was thinking about it. So I'm glad you brought this up. Absolutely. That's ter- that's traumatizing. It's nightmarish. <laughs> like, they were like, all right, sons, Michael and Daniel, we've gotten you this this Nintendo system. Please enjoy it. Uh, now, Michael, go to bed. Your older brother can stay up late, so he'll play it all night and also forever. This is hilarious, and you can't see it. A fly is perfectly oh, on the webcam right now. Oh, I oh can see God. it. I can extremely it, see the, the fly. It's a horrible, That's horrible amazing. Thing. I'm going to take a video just that's so... disgusting. Wow. It's, first, first time on Game Boy. It's really... Fly. It's looking at me. Oh, it's, it really is looking at you. Oh, gross. It's all you I can what? see. Disgusting. Haley, keep all of this... Keep all of this in. We're taking a picture of the fly. I'm getting really close, and it's not moving well, away. It's very, this, it's very comfortable. And uh, well, we got an extra guest in the podcast. Uh, welcome, uh, Housefly. HF, as my friends call me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Um, uh, 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 but uh, aside from the fly, uh, you've been mentioning Super Mario Sunshine. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have very, uh, very similar. Uh, taste in games because you brought on a game I'm very excited about to talk about this week. Oh, and I think that we should just start talking about it right now because we're probably going to go way over because I'm very, <laughs> very excited. Oh my but God. first, before we say anything, we should probably get uh, into a little bit of history uh, about this game. So just imagine uh, some really epic music. Uh, let's see. Oh, we're going in this part right here. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, you, can, you can sing a minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew this was going to devolve into karaoke very quickly. All right, history begins now. In the late 90s, Shinji Hashimoto was working as a game producer at Square Enix in Japan. One day in the office, he was discussing his plans to make a game in the style of Super Mario 64, but felt that what made it work was the popularity of the Mario characters. He hypothesized that the only characters that could rival Mario in popularity were characters from Disney. At the time, Disney had offices in the same building as Square, and one day Hashimoto found himself in the elevator with an executive from Disney. Over the course of two minutes, he pitched his entire idea for the game, an adventure 
adventure RPG that mashed together the worlds of Disney and Square. By the time they stepped off the elevator, Hashimoto was allowed to pitch the game directly to Disney, and weeks later, they had the green light. No! I never knew that. Originally, the development focused on the gameplay with a simple story to appeal to Disney's target age range, but the team realized the game would be a failure if it did not aim for the same level of storytelling and challenge as the Final Fantasy series. The director stated the name of the game came from thinking about Disney theme parks, especially Animal Kingdom. However, Nomura could not get the IP with just Kingdom, so the development team began to think about heart as a core part of the story. The so phone is getting closer to Griffin's face. So they as he decided tells him. to combine the two to form Kingdom Hearts. <gasps> As of December 2017, the Kingdom Hearts series has shipped more than 24 million copies worldwide and become one of the most unlikely success stories in video game history. This week on Game Boys, it's light, darkness, doors, hearts, light, and more darkness with Kingdom Hearts 2. That was a really good impersonation of every member of Organization 13. <laughs> yes. I feel like that's how right. they say that. They have to all be the same voice actor, right? All right, two two quick things. One, Griffin, it's weird that we've had this crazy run of games where their origin story is someone was thinking of a game and thought it wouldn't be popular enough without already popular characters attached <laughs> to it. We're discovering that all of the most popular games in the world were like just created in this weird way where it's like, what if we just took other stuff and put it together. Yeah, where they're like, because it happened with Mario Kart and apparently Super Smash Bros. as well. They were like, we're yeah. making a game. No one's going to like it unless we put someone popular in it. Mario, why not? Yeah. And I guess oh it's the same thing God. here. And um, then, Gregory, my question for you real quick is you were talking before I cut you off talking about Christmas and Hanukkah about starting off with like Nintendo games with, with Sunshine, stuff like that. So how did you get to Kingdom Hearts 2? And why did that become a big game for you that you'd want to bring it on and talk about today? For well, <laughs> thank you so much, Luke. I appreciate that. Um, I here's the thing: I passively got into Kingdom Hearts. I ended up getting um, Chain of Memories on my SP first. First, what? as and this is I'll explain why this is a big deal in a second, and you can chime in too because you know you know why this is a big deal. It I got it. I think like for $15 out of like a bargain bin and I only had enough money for that week and I wanted to play a new game so I I tried it without knowing anything about Kingdom Hearts because I recognized the popularity of the Disney characters and in Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories it's for the SP it's the second game in the series behind Kingdom Hearts 1 now you're saying SP but it's called the PSP oh no, Game Boy SP. Oh, Game Boy SP? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was on. What's Game Boy SP? It was the flip, oh, is, the oh, vertically the flip, flip the yeah. one. The flip yeah. one that has the light on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I play, that was my cornerstone of yeah. gaming um, up until like 15 years the ago. The SP was good. It had the backlight. That was crucial. New yeah. innovation. Oh, my God. Do you remember those, like, quick side tangent, remember those, uh, like, attachment lights you could put on oh, your yeah. advance? Awful. Awful. It Awful. would, like, glare off the screen. It was just completely yeah. ridiculous that we used that. Uh, and they were also just so like unwieldy and bulky and gross looking. Yeah, like they're like corded and I purple. Thought they, I thought they were cool at the time. I really did. I was like, look at this extension. Um, but uh, yeah, so what were we talking, what were we talking passively, about? Passively playing Chain of Memories. Mm -hmm. When okay. you make a command move, the main character is Sora in mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts, and he holds a thing called a Keyblade, which is a sword. And every time you wanted to attack someone with a sword in Chain of Memories, you used a card, quote mm -hmm. unquote, I'm using air quotes, and that a card was something you acquired mm -hmm. where so I played Chain of Memories, which is like the middle game mm -hmm. in the series. And then like, like two years later, I ended up discovering Kingdom Hearts one. And I was like, what is this? So I bought it. Oh, you're like, wait, how is this connected? Yeah. So I oh bought I bought a PlayStation for Kingdom Hearts. Wow. 
And you liked the game so much. So much. Yeah. yeah. And then I, you know, in the game, you can just casually swing your sword around. And I thought it, it blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is just a haphazard move. Yeah. Like this is just breathing air is swinging the sword around because it I had been conditioned to just play cards. Exactly. It was a card game. The SP one was just like cards. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so my world just like I skyrocketed. Wow. What an interesting. Cards. Okay. So uh, and then and so because yeah yeah because King that SP game also uh, kind of covers some of the plot. Uh, we'll get into all those side games in a second. There's there's really so much to talk about with this game that uh, I, we have to do it in sections or we're gonna get lost because we just love it so much. Oh my so God. the first thing that I wanted to talk about. I don't think Lux likes Kingdom Hearts. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to. Lux um, and Lux can chime in whenever he wants. I feel like that means I can chime in unless <laughs> I'm willing to like risk getting yelled at. The first thing, no, we share this podcast. You can say whatever you want. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is because you brought on the second. Yes, I think one of the things this game does so well is it's like it feels like a true sequel, and it's like ushers the audience so well in those early hours from like the people that put the first one into the second one right. and into this new phase of the story. And the first thing I want to talk about is just when you like, when you open the game, you've been waiting like four years after the, you played this one. Right. And like the opening menu comes up and it like fades up and it's like kind of similar artwork and that similar, mel- like the same melody starts to filter in, but it's like a little bit more nuanced uh, and like mature, like right here. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's amazing. No woman has ever talked to me the way that this opening theme talked to me. Um, uh, I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't corroborate. I want to extend that thought for a second. It, Kingdom Hearts 2, what, I've put more effort and time into Kingdom Hearts 2 than oh. most relationships. <laughs> and I'm a happy person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you seem you seem happy right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like uh, how, how many hours we talk, you played it multiple times? I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so you were kind of implying like what this game is. You're you're basically you open the game and you're brought upon the story. Um, and Kingdom Hearts Two is a sequel to one, but it almost stands independent as sure. this whole epic journey for this character Sora to travel to all these worlds to close the door of hearts on and close darkness on all these different realms um it is arguably it's it's a very confusing storyline yes and it's it's super convoluted (laughs) it's basically a soap opera but like the way this game opens is actually very simple it's Mm -hmm. uh it's like you are you show up and you start playing as this just new character you've never met before in this like small town roxas yeah Yeah, roxas and then you're like okay this isn't sora the character i played from the last game like what's going on and you play like a good six to eight hours as this character slowly like your world starts like glitching around you and you realize that you are like a digital clone uh, of he, the main character of Sora. Exactly. So there's there's these things called heartless and when a heartless is basically the worst extension of the human spirit um, and these evil people are trying to use all of the heartless to take over every Disney world. And <laughs> every, every when, sentence, like it's like every sentence <laughs> makes me laugh, but they just are so earnest in what they're doing that it works. It, they really lean into it. I mean, just <laughs> every sentence sounds so stupid. It's so really stupid. Really lean into it. And the question <laughs> of whether or not it always works is up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it's bad. It's, the fact that it sometimes works is actually kind of shocking to me because it is like so kitschy and so like I don't know, like non nuanced that you'd think that it just like always would be like cloying and annoying. But it, just, it works yeah. at a surprisingly like it has a surprisingly good hit rate for for that for me at least like way better than I expected when I going into it. It's it's just that perfect blend between like the Japanese impression of American culture and then the kitschiness of Disney. Yes. And you just, you just have this marriage that it, works. Yeah. It's the, and it was one of the first times as a kid. Uh, and I think a lot of people, a lot of um, people in America probably felt this way when uh, it was like, it was one of their first like JRPG experiences yes. for a lot of people. That was definitely uh, mine. Yeah. Like yeah. it was so, it was like this strange new thing. Like I, it felt like nothing I'd ever seen before when I saw the commercials for the first one, because right. it was this familiar Disney thing with this like completely alien element, like of, or ten type of genre I'd never really seen before. Like it was Mickey Mouse, but it was like these weird evocative like intros and these like weird thematic, crazy, mm-hmm. more like Japanese style looking things going on. It was it was cartoon violence. And and that that was something to me where all my friends, you know, around 14, 15 were doing COD and they were doing um, Halo. And for whatever reason my threshold, I just really didn't like the visceralness of that. Probably Nazi zombies was what I could handle. And even that was cartoonish and like you were battling fake things. Um, so Kingdom Hearts was this you know, perfect thing for me because I was conditioned to love, you know, Mario and like things that were so fantastical. I, I didn't have any like true mm-hmm. connection to them. So uh, violence in Kingdom Hearts was something that was very appealing because it was just like... Like you were just, you're killing like, like these little monsters that yeah. look like ants. It is very satisfying. Like we should talk about the combat for a second. It is like, it's very like hack and slashy, but mm-hmm. it's like, there's like, it, it's sort of, it, it sort of holds your hand a little bit because you can like lock on the targets and just like whack You can away. lock on the targets. There's magic. But yeah, there's magic and stuff like that. I think it's like a really fun, like solid real time, like hack and slasher. Like Lux, what do you think? I'll start opening the floor to Lux. I think... Yeah, the combat system is fine for that kind of combat. It's like it's like Final Fantasy 15 type combat. If you've played that game recently, mm-hmm. it's a similar kind of like jumping around, switching between skills, doing stuff like rapid fire kind of action, which is fine. You know me. I like JRPGs. This was this was not my first one when I played it. It was pretty <laughs> deep on the list. <laughs> and like I like you were not impressed. And, what? You were not impressed. I was. Well, I mean, I like like I mean, we've done backstory work in the show before, but briefly, like I grew up with my dad playing a lot of video games. And yeah. watching my dad play games. My dad played a lot of like the Final Fantasy games, like Shin Megami Tensei, stuff like that. For right, sure. But for so sure. like, look, I actually am curious then about your path because it's like you like Disney and you like art, like RPGs. So like, what, 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 how did you feel when you first played well, Kingdom Hearts? You know that Disney, I like Disney, but I like Disney a lot less and I like like Warner Brothers stuff and shit like that. Like it's always been like Looney Tunes first. We've talked about that on the show even before. So Disney's not like a main thing for me in, in a huge did way. Did you just compare show. Disney to Looney Tunes? You know, yeah. he, he said Disney Tunes is wor- Disney is worse than Looney Tunes. Oh, I agree on like a comedic level, but no, right, let's keep let's keep scale. moving forward. I'm sorry to cut to, you to off. Scale is so different. To yeah, me, exactly. Right. But to me, Looney Tunes is far more iconic and significant than Disney characters. What? Right. Okay, that's basically you saying to that you like or to the world. To me. <laughs> oh, to you. That's basically okay. saying that like Gumby's better than Wallace and Gromit. Like, there's just no. Well, I feel like that's even closer. Oh, you do? <laughs> no, I love Wallace and Gromit better. Well, no, Wallace I mean, I think, it's a, I think it's a valid comparison to say that, like, 
There's a set of cartoons a lot of kids watched when they were kids. I liked some of them, not others. The ones that I liked are the Warner Brothers ones. I didn't like the Disney oh. ones in the same kind so of way. So here's what I'm saying. You like JRPGs and Disney stuff is good. Maybe not your favorite. That doesn't answer my question. Well, like, what did you well, feel well, when get, you played these right, games? Well, that's what I'm getting to. Is that like in no, in neither, in neither element of it was particularly resonant for me. Because it was like a watered down version of JRPG that I was used to, right? It's less complicated than a Final Fantasy. It's less nuanced than like a Fire Emblem or whatever. And then it also was these characters that like I didn't resonate with like the way that a lot of other kids my age resonated with. So in both ways, it was like sort of like lukewarm for me. OK, so you're actually not a Disney fan. We'll, we'll, we'll clarify. We'll say you hate Disney. Well, no. See, now now you're going too far the other way. I think <laughs> Anyways, fine. but you were ambivalent about Disney and then you felt yeah, like it was, it was and, even more watered down. I yeah, feel exactly. like in the I like I think that in the second one. I feel like it is a little watered down with the Disney storylines at times. Well, Disney's not even getting the way so much. It's just like stuff like stuff like it's like a simplified skill tree kind of stuff. And like the combat isn't like mathematical in the same way that like a tactical RPG is mathematical and stuff like that. Sure. And so like when I played it as a kid, it was just like not that much of a wowzer to me. And then by the time I played it again as an adult, I was like into the theming. I thought the theming was a cool element, and like a well done thing. But like never it never hit me in that way that like it clearly hit y'all where like you got it at a time or like. You are old enough to appreciate the, compl- the complexity of it, but you're also into the themes and stuff. And so it just hit you in this way. And for me, it just never did. So, like, uh, let, let's keep talking about the story for a second. This story, I will admit, is completely bad shit and confusing. Yeah. It's wild. And it's then a- they've made a bunch of other side games that made it even more confusing. Yeah. Like, as, like, I'm interested in hearing both of your perspectives, but, like, can we move past that? We and like still and still enjoy the story. I had this really great experience recently where, well, first off, my sister, five years younger, got onto the games with me the same time I was. So mm-hmm. she was eight, I was 14, eight, nine, 10, 11, Was that math right? No, it's 13. Wow, 13 would be the I made I'm a 24 year old man and I couldn't do that. Um, I so she was five years younger when we started. And then recently we went to the LA Philharmonic and we saw the uh, LA Philharmonic do the kingdom Hearts score. And then hero, I'm so jealous. That's cool. And then hero, the game creator actually had flown in that day, came in for E3, um, revealed a new teaser trailer for kingdom hearts (laughs) three. And then we (laughs) like, by the way, the worst commercials ever. It was a hilarious (laughs) event. Cause you have, I mean, we're at the LA Philharmonic. So you got people in suits and then you just, got these you know sleeves and graphic tees yeah. you know just like yeah. walking around and it was That's funny it was so great it was such a clash of just like different kinds of people yeah. and but everyone appreciated it everyone was super into it and my point in bringing that up is the generation gap between my sister and I she helps me reappreciate kingdom hearts cuz she keeps up with the storylines mm-hmm. and she played all of the side games sure. post 2. Okay. And so, you know, I asked her at one point I was like, "What the fuck is going on now? Like, <laughs> what is happening with this game?" And she she clarified a lot of, you know, the the origin story about the Keyblade Wars, why Sora was put in the position he was, why these nobodies, Roxas's characters and that whole extension came to be, um and basically how it's all converging into and you felt like, and then after hearing all that, what do you, do you like, what do you think now? It, I, unfortunately, I, I'm kind of with Lux in the sense of I have a, a dissonance from the theme right now. Like, I feel like it doesn't connect with me as deeply, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to buy three and I'll probably yeah. buy a new system and have a great time. Yeah. I, I just, I love watching it unfold. And I think traveling to different worlds is one of the best concepts. And you mentioned gaming. the, you mentioned the music when you heard the music, yeah. when I asked you about the story. And I feel like what that made me think of is like, sometimes 
Kingdom Hearts is more of a feeling. It's an than, emotional, than a, than a smart idea. Exactly. Uh, and and I think like that is the trick that they pulled off so well is that like from the top you played like the score, when you like, play that score you get that feeling again and when you hear simple and clean or you hear the intro music because they make right. these incredible intro cinematics that are really thematic like you, it takes you right back and there's this level of like style and care and like vision for all the elements that are that are more of a feeling than always like a coherent story idea i think is how i've always treated it for sure and i it takes every i think it takes everyone back to somewhere similar because there's some weird ass story shit and there's a video i want to play right now okay uh that is you're playing uh, a lot of third-party audio on the podcast but we have the rights to all of these don't don't worry worry. we got this um but this is a really uh important uh scene uh it's called uh goofy's death griffin the degree of like intensity and depth you're bringing on kingdom hearts is so much more vast than say like when someone brings on i played this game more times than all the other ones do you want me to do a bad job (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm saying it's crazy how much more you love this game than like every other game we've talked about. It's very apparent. And this is my first time on the podcast. Um, yeah. Well, I don't care if I'm embarrassing myself because we're about to watch Goofy die. <gasps> oh, this was something. So, I guess we better all pull together and finish this battle for good. That's Mickey Mouse. Can you see? Yes, your majesty. Okay. So he's like walking away. And then like up on this cliff. This is one of those classic sacrifice scenes. Boom. Boulder. Boom. Flies off the cliff. About to hit the main character. Hits Goofy in the head. I mean, and that that's a very graphic shot too. Like he just gets rails in the head. Goofy's dead, for sure. They're doing the slow pan up shot over his limpless body. He's dead. They're also treating this as if he just like passed out. This is so intense for a child. <laughs> it's Donald Duck crying. Donald Duck's like just learning what death is. Wait for the funniest line. Wait. Wait, wait for it. Could you imagine if Mickey Mouse came into your everyday life and said, No. Nikki clenches his fist and says, "They'll pay for this." Hell yeah, it's he got, does. It, it's one of the most batshit scenes I've seen in a video game. Also, well, that's part of the thing that makes me appreciate this game a little more than I think I would otherwise. Is that like the things about it that annoy me a little bit are all also component parts of how it's just batshit insane in a lot of ways, and it leads <laughs> into it being batshit insane in a lot of ways, and that I can get behind. Like a game just being totally crazy. Like moments like that are why I like this game and like are why I get into this game. And like, I'll probably play the third one because of moments like that where like, it just feels so bonkers to combine the two aesthetics and the way that they did. Yeah, They're leaning in, which is awesome. Um, I, I think it's just amazing that Haley Joel Osment had a resurgence in his career through this game. And, Probably the mass population has no idea about it. Yeah, the, the we just talk at the voice acting on this game is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they got all of the voice actors from the Disney movies because they couldn't afford them all, but they got really good impressionists. Yeah. 
of of all these people, uh, like like Robin Williams and uh, and they do re- like from the first game on. I mean, they're doing Tarzan, they're doing Aladdin, they're yeah. doing Hercules, and mm-hmm. and all the characters sound authentic to the original ninety movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also one thing movies. is like I always I loved all of those movies like Tarzan and Hercules so much, and I just was so hungry for more content to engage yes, with. Of course, anything like just just being able to like play around the Hercules or Tarzan universe for a little bit more was like such a I was hungry for so I have, that. I have a question for yeah. you in Kingdom Hearts 2 you go th- you tour around every single world and you close all the keyholes you do it twice which is kind of annoying well that's what I was going to ask did you find it annoying like you are craving that content did you want to go back to those worlds and play other missions uh, well here's one of the things I will say that it's going to definitely like potentially affect my rating lux uh, <laughs> is uh the, that the worlds feel thinner than they do in Kingdom Hearts 1. It yeah. felt like in Kingdom Hearts 1 that you were on this hero's journey and that like each each world was part of like your journey and that like some worlds were like the dark night of the soul moment and some worlds were like the team getting together moment. Like each world was like served a purpose for like the story. And in this one, it just felt like you were just like flashing through each world, kind of getting some just like some fluff from each world. It felt like a checklist. Almost. It felt like a checklist less than a more than like a story that was happening across it. And a good example is you go to Mount Olympus in Hercules's level and you for the in Kingdom Hearts 2, you get to actually go to the underworld. And in the first mm-hmm. time you visit the world, you obviously will battle Hades in the underworld. That's your final mission. Right. But then you have to go back like you're required to go back to face this weird heartless monster in the same setting and it takes 45 minutes less time Mm -hmm. to do it and i agree with you i felt like it was one of those things it felt more like a burden halfway through the second round of the worlds and you're like oh there was nothing exciting like very few of the bosses were exciting enough to like force you to go through all the stuff again but like when i played kingdom hearts one it's like each world had a cool thing going on and like uh, it was like charting the, the relationship between you, Goofy, and Donald over the course of the first one. That was really interesting. Uh, I mean, Kyrie, was, it was a love story in yeah, the first one. It exactly. Was, it was about finding a lost love. Well, I mean, exactly. so much of what does make these games work is their ability to like use the Disney IP and the Disney imagery to like accentuate stuff and like create this like sense of excitement that like makes you buy into like whatever nonsense is about to happen. And so when. In the second one, I just, I'm with Griffin. The second one didn't draw me in the same way of like, ooh, I'm in Tarzan Town or whatever, in the same kind of like high energy like immersion as the first one yeah. did. Like the first one, at least like, even when things I thought were dumb, I could buy into them because I was just so stoked about like the art and the world and like the feeling of depth. And the second one, everything feels a little bit thinner, so I just couldn't get as hooked in as I did in the first one. And that's very true for Act 2 of Kingdom Hearts 2. But the third act of Kingdom Hearts 2 is where they pay off so many things. You have all these characters meeting up, all these characters having final confrontations. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 was very much about separation, and it always felt like you met an important character and then they disappeared right before you really got to talk to them. Like It was right. always like this, this feeling of like your friends and your and, and Kyrie's like slipping through your fingers every time. And... In, and end of King March 2 it's like boom all these characters are together like they're all doing stuff and that felt super cool um 
So, it's, yeah, that's that's the reason why I preferred over one. Um, yeah. And at the time, I mean, Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005. That was the initial release date. And it's pretty sleek. It's it looks good. It's really sleek. I mean, between the years of like 2005 and 2012, I was playing that game over and over yeah. again, which is a long time. And yeah. it's still held up. The final boss battles are all really cool set pieces. Yeah. Like they, they're really stunning set pieces. I would think they would. I think it would still hold up today. Uh, I play. I just recently beat it again on the HD remaster uh, on PlayStation Four. So yeah, it was great. It was super fun to play. Um, but one thing, another thing, I had to talk about with this game that it's like I like, and it's going to be a kind of a theme that I like one a little bit more than two sometimes. Whoa! Is that it? Two brings all these new combat moves, and you press triangle to do these like crazy set piece moves, uh, which are. Fucking dope. They're very cool. Yeah, they're very like cool and very well different animated. Different ones you can do with different uh, partner people from different worlds. Uh, they're all very cool, uh, but it makes the game so easy. Um, mm, that's very true. And the game is so much easier than one. And I found myself just kind of like just slashing and zoning out uh, through parts of it. Whereas in one, I felt like I was really like in it and paying attention to my health and like healing and like like kind of getting that boss at the last second. Uh, and this one kind of like removed the, the kind of the fangs I felt like from the combat. Um, not that Kingdom Hearts one was super hard, but it was it, it provided a challenge. Um, there's a huge disparity because like in Kingdom Hearts two, if you there's different modes you can put it on you can do mm-hmm. beginner yeah critical i think is the I think hardest, it's like right? proud or something like that proud or critical yeah. it's yeah these weird adjectives to describe <laughs> yeah. easy medium hard um <laughs> so if you play the hardest version of kingdom hearts 2 yeah and you have that assistant triangle move mm-hmm. it's nearly impossible mm-hmm. it is so hard to beat the game just so you've tried i have tried and i i couldn't get past um there's a certain boss in beast's castle you're, yes you're like on the fighting. bridge yeah the organization that's the that hardest flies. boss in the game for sure it's mm-hmm. it's impossible yeah. it's actually that i was reading an article once and there's more you get saved by king mickey more times in that battle or like this the system is ready mm-hmm. to be like for you to be saved by mickey at least five times Five times because they're expecting users to die at least five times. It's it's like almost impossible to dodge. Yeah. Um, But there are really cool bosses in these games. Like they really, they have a lot of like style. um, And and I really, I remember a lot of the boss fights and I don't, I can't say that better. What are are your top five that you remember? Oh man, I don't even know. I I think just like iconic visually is definitely that one at the very end with all the lasers where you're just like teaming up with Roxas. Oh, it's Xemnas. Yeah, you're fighting fighting Xemnas Xemnas at the end of that white room and he just like. (laughs) It does sound ridiculous. Just being like, oh, Xemnas. Basically got two lightsabers. Like, it was pretty cool. Um, And then I just, I like some of the classic fights from Kingdom Hearts 1. I remember a lot, like fighting uh, that chameleon in the Tarzan level. I remember that. Kingdom Hearts 1. That was good. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, But uh, what, is anything else when you talk about this game before we go to commercial break? No. Any any other passionate topics? Um, Lux? Lux, any final thoughts? Well, okay. So here's. A thing, a question. Did this get you into other JRPGs afterwards after you played this game? Like, if this was your first sort of exposure to that kind of stuff, did mm. it like give you a real interest in the genre, or or did like the Disneyishness help, or was it just like sort of a one-time thing? I feel like this was kind of just a one-time thing because I went back to just like team player games after this. I went back to like all the God. What did I do? No, I mean, I guess maybe Batman, like the Arkham games, were probably like the last. The closest thing to this that you've played yeah. since then? Yeah, yeah. Word. Well, cool. I've I always wondered, because that always felt like this game could either be, like, a really good entry point for that kind of stuff, or just, like, a cool, like, one-off sort of thing. I've always wondered how people feel about it. For me, I guess it was a one-off, yeah. But I, but also, that's just me and my, like, my commitment to gaming. 
So yeah, for sure. I mean, I know Griff, you've played a bunch of JRPGs since you played this one. Yeah, but it was definitely the entry point to being like, what is this company Square Enix and like, like what are they doing? Like, what? Like what? What else well, you played? Well, because well, one last anecdote I want to say about these series before we go to commercial is that I the first time I played this Kingdom Hearts one was when it came out when I was ten years old. Yeah, uh, and I barely knew how to play video games at that point. And I played the shit out of it. Uh, I couldn't beat it when I was 10 because I didn't realize you could like level up and put gear on and stuff. So like I was playing with like like base stats throughout yeah. the whole game and like just couldn't beat like the last couple of bosses because it's impossible that way. Basically, it's amazing you went that far though. Uh, and yeah, so then such like, a crazy story. <laughs> yeah, and then came back like two years later, realized you could like put on equipment and stuff. And then, and then, <laughs> and then beat it. Uh, but uh, so it was, it was, it's, it's been something that like has been with me since I very, very early love of video games. The second one came out when I was like a teenager and now it's been like 14 years. It's ridiculous. Since it's come out. It's ridiculous. Uh, and I, so it's this strange feeling where I'm, I'm nervous about the, I'm nervous about it because the commercials are really bad. Um, and it's been so long. But I, I do I do have I have faith that they will they will take 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 it well, home. Let's do our take on Kingdom Hearts three after the commercial. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Do, 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 do. All right, we'll be back to this commercial break. Have you ever been in a bottle? And are you a genie? Well, there's only one product you can use, and that's the automatic rubomatic. You need something to rub that bottle and get you out. Something needs to rub you the right way, or else you're gonna be stuck in that bottle forever, just like the Aladdin guy until the end of Aladdin when he's not. Oh, baby, when you rub me like that. See, that's the thing. If you gotta get rubbed, you don't want to do it yourself. That's weird. And you don't want to ask them to do it. That can be uncomfortable. What you need is a robot hand designed to rub optimally, and that's what the scientists at our lab have created. Robomatic is the perfect rubbing machine to get you in and out of your lamp as fast as you need want to at any time. Just look at this happy customer. I'm free! Now you must grant me wishes. Aww. And that's how the robot uprising started. I'm Myra Glass. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Game Boys. Hey. <laughs> oh, in stereo this time. Wait, carry, carry the harmony. I'll crack there. My register doesn't go that high. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm still Lux, your host. It's still Griffin Davis. Your guest is still Gregory Bordelon. Oh my god, Griffin, stepping on the walk back in. Rude as hell. A monstrous maneuver. I don't know my name anymore. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's going to forget all the stuff I just said. But we have finished going over this game, this Kingdom Hearts 2, and now it is time for that part of the show where we rate that game, boys. We're going to go through and give our final thoughts on this game and give it a scale rating on a scale from one to five joysticks. And mm. tell each other why we think those things about the game. And Gregory, you are our guest, so you can go first as common courtesy dictates. So I one out of five joysticks, right? Yeah, one to five. One to five. One to five. One to five. I am gonna give Kingdom Hearts two a four and a half joystick. Oh, dun, dun, very dun, dun, nice. dun, 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 good, very is, good score. Yeah, it is is absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I don't give it a full five stars for the point that Griffin uh, brought up at the first part of the podcast, which is the story becomes really convoluted, and I'm not too much of a fan of like the whole Twilight Town intro. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, divisive for fans. It is divisive. Um, for me, like I, 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 I stay Switzerland on it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm in the middle. Um, but uh, my perfect game would not have it in it. Um, but it's still amazing. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Twilight Town probably is, it takes a point five off a lot of people's scores. Yeah. Griffin, I'm going to let you... <laughs> Griffin, you should go last because you're kind of going to be the main event on the rating thing, I feel like, because you have just a lot of feelings here. So I'll go really quick. Um, 
I give it a three and a half stars. I think it's really good at what it does, but what it does is not a thing that's like definitely not my bag. Like a kind of simplified JRPG using characters that I'm like I said, I'm not a mega fan of is not like it's never going to make me super fucking stoked. That said, like as far as like trying to make a cool, accessible JRPG with Disney characters, I think it does about as good a job as it could do. Um, so yeah, I think I'll give it three and a half or three and a half. I'll get three point seven five actually, closer to four because it does oh a very good job. Oh my god! Wait, oh my god, we're, quarters are like involved in this. You, you can, can do whatever you want. I mean, oh like, my god, people have thrown out some wild numbers before. You, okay. you can revise. I've once given a, a rating of N sixty sixty four controller out of five, which I don't even know what which that no means. One, yeah, that was extremely confusing, and I would prefer never to think about it again. Um, <laughs> a, that's a compliment. That's, it's a a joystick, yeah. that's, a, that's a joystick heavy controller. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the central point of the controller. Yeah. It's, joystick. <laughs> it's a confusing yeah. rating. <laughs> There's a whole handle. But, for um, it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a three point seven five because I think it does something really cool. I just don't think that the th- I don't think that the thing it does could ever be like a perfect version of a video game. Sure. Um, well, but Griffin, we'll clear out. We'll ISO for you. Do it. What do we? What do you got? What's the score, um, bud? Yeah. So it's definitely one of my favorite games of all time, and uh, I play played it more times than most games. Uh, it does uh, so many things right with the gameplay and uh, the music, and it has style for days. It reminds me of Persona Five in that sense, where it's just like there's like every every corner of the game is so stylish and so designed, and uh, and it has in like a specific vision. Uh, but it has this. The Kingdom Hearts Two specifically has like a lot of story problems. Act Two is very boring and monotonous, um, and the combat is uh, pretty easy. Um, it does great things at the end of the game and it has one of the best my one of my favorite beginnings of any video game uh, but unfortunately these things uh, keep it from being a perfect game and I gotta I gotta say it's a four out of five joystick game ooh all right well there you there you have it audience um, before we get to so like, see I was I was mature about it I let you talk about the game. I gave. I didn't give it a five out of five. Get off my back. He did. Yeah, I he was going to congratulate it. you for handling it like such an adult until you decided to make sure to tell me to tell you that you did such a good job. Um, so now I will not. Um, but before we get into the segment made of segments, everyone's favorite segment, the segment segment. I just want to know quickly, what are your guys' thoughts and dreams, hopes for Kingdom Hearts three? Ooh. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot riding on this game. You said it 13 years, like Jesus Christ. Um, it based on that concert I went to, and I like the trailers. I think it keeps to like the kitschy and the cheesiness of what Kingdom Hearts is. Yeah, but it, it shows it in the bad way. I think it it, do, it, it does. shows it without context, and I think well, that's the problem. True, without context. So there's all these characters coming in, and they're like, he doesn't know his heart, and he is like, you know, there's like there's like something messed up with the sound mix too. Like, yeah, like it sounds like there's no room tone in the scene. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, there's there's, <laughs> it's like the worst commercials I've ever seen. I was I was I was a skeptic for a while, and then at this concert. Concert, they revealed gameplay. You're going to be able to play with Remy from Ratatouille. That sure. personally hits a very, very soft spot. He's like in your party as a, like a fighting member. I believe he's one of like along with Rick at Ralph. Yeah, he's a summon. Yeah. Um, which that's what I believe. I, I haven't seen that entire world built out for Paris, which I doubt they would do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Remy, uh, that rules. I, I'm a little overall. I'm pretty skeptic of Kingdom Hearts three. I think there's a lot riding on it. Um, there's the world selection. I'm not particularly like super excited it's about. It's very funny because this game has been. It's one of the longest like in development games of all time, and the choices of worlds 
very clearly show that. For instance, one of the worlds in this game is from Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Uh. Which... If, like if that doesn't date your game, I don't know what. Does. That's like if it two, came that's out, two pirates and a lone ranger again. Yeah. That's two pirates and a lone ranger ago, and it it ah, it just, it's like you knew they could have come out with that game in 2012. You know, they could have come out with that game in 2013, but they decided to like wait on all these movies for the Disney franchise to push out. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the true story of why this game took so long will ever come out. Um, I don't know. I, and I haven't, I haven't really dived into like why, like what the skeptics are. Yeah. I just, if you're going to do, you're going to do Frozen, you're going to do Pirates. Big Hero 6. Which kind of weak. left field. Very left field. Uh, Toy Story. Toy Story, which is very exciting. Which is probably one of their premier ones. Monsters, Uh, Inc. Monsters, Inc. That's a big one. That's a big one. But yeah, it's a, it's an odd, it's it's an odd cast of worlds for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. They'll definitely be bringing back stuff like Hercules and stuff like that. It's a popular world. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think that, like I said earlier, I think that my biggest hope for this game is that there, it's beautiful and that it's like Kingdom Hearts is more of a feeling than an idea. And if it, like, brings that feeling back again, like, even for a little bit, it'll be worth it. Because exactly. it's, like, it's one of those, like, rare video game feelings that I, I don't usually get when I play games. And yeah, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. The one thing about the Kingdom Hearts game, like I sort of referred to before, is that like they have moments that will like sweep you away and like the majesty of just like how imagined the worlds are and stuff. And if the game, if the new one has like four or five of those, it'll probably be worth it for me because yeah. that's like why I play the games like is just for those moments alone yeah. where I'm just like, oh, my God. But now that we talked about that. Now it is time for everyone's favorite segment, made entirely out of segments. Now it is time for these segment segments where Griffin and I each have a segment that we will present to you, our guests, and we will play them together. Griffin, what's your segment this week? I was too busy watching clips of Kingdom Hearts to get a segment going this week. All so right. it's up it's to time you. for everyone's favorite segment with one segment. But I played it's my like segment. three videos. Yes, you did. It's a time for one segment, my segment, and it is an obvious one. We are sticking with the game winning game changer. Do they eat ass? <laughs> this is the show where this is a game where we choose three video game characters and discuss whether it is through cooperative conversation or combative conflict whether or not these characters eat ass today's <laughs> characters are of course the characters from kingdom hearts we're talking about of course mickey goofy and donald <laughs> duck they're disney characters <laughs> yes i know but in this context yeah. it seems extremely so obvious we're doing it for, are we, so their their character in kingdom hearts because mickey mouse is like a badass in in in, in, in yeah, this kingdom do, hearts yeah, let's do the kingdom hearts like with the, those versions, yeah, the versions of, them, sure. of them right okay for sure Cause, so because because uh because donald like learns to be less selfish i'll just say that much and goofy learns to trust people so uh, there are out there right, are so let's, let's start with, <laughs> all right let's just go in alphabetical order so donald duck how about donald duck does donald duck eat at i totally think daisy duck wants ass and when he goes mm-hmm. back to the magic kingdom yeah. and kingdom hearts 2 donald's definitely yeah. down for daisy so i mm-hmm. i totally think he's i completely agree um there's in fact multiple multiple lines of dialogue that heavily imply that in kingdom hearts 2 uh and there's some pan away shots that you can you mean you can you let your mind fill in the blank give us your best <laughs> donald <laughs> duck for those eating what you ass want. impression griffin I can't. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm top that. Uh, that was really good. So, um, yeah, no, that checks out. That checks with my answer sheet as well. Uh, he doesn't even ever wear pants. Come on now. Um, now let's talk about Goofy. R.I.P. Um, I feel like Goofy. 
I feel like Goofy wouldn't. I still feel like he keeps his naivete at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, where like yeah. if he was asked to eat ass, he'd be like, what's that? You know? <laughs> yeah, he does seem, he seems a little, yeah, naive and green in that area. Um, and this is not me being influenced by said Goofy movie. And you know what? And this may just, you know, and I don't want to like, you know, put labels on things, but if I, it almost feels like he's like, like what I was saying in the kitchen earlier, like he's Valsell. He is a little Valsell. Not Valsell, uh, asexual. That's but, what I meant. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, it's, is he no, asexual or is he voluntarily celibate? Those are very different very things. Very different. I meant asexual. Yeah, you didn't mean asexual. I'm uh, sorry. I'm so sorry. never horny. Yeah. He yeah, no, I think Goofy's probably never horny. Yeah. Never horny, always thirsty, but only for water. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Goofy Goofy is probably a non-horny, asexual, non-ass eater. I'm inclined to agree. Also, those crazy teeth would make it a mess. Yep. Um, now let's talk about him. The big boss man of the magic kingdom, Mickey Mouse does Mickey Mouse. Eat ass. Here's the thing about Mickey Mouse in the kingdom hearts universe is that he's like a rogue. He often abandons uh mini to like go out and fight or like, doesn't tell anyone what he's doing and just leaves a note and like disappears a lot. I don't know how that factors into his sexual life, but maybe we can pull something from there. I think because of that fact, Mickey is probably giving head to the most random characters <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Ass, I feel like he seems he, unfaithful in the Kingdom Hearts universe. I feel like he's a little smug too in Kingdom Hearts, so I feel like he wouldn't he he would think that giving ass is like a little beneath him. So mm. I, I feel like he would definitely like he'd hook up with some characters, but I don't think here's he would. here's my here's my theory. Uh for most of the first game, he doesn't, but then he gets trapped in Kingdom Hearts, and I think he discovers it somewhere there in the darkness. With Riku. Yeah. Well, for sure yeah, him and Riku hooked cause, up. Yeah, because cause the door closes on him and Riku. And so you know you gotta But it opens on their relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. That's beautiful. And it checks out. He really <laughs> learns a lot and he grows. What a guy. That is the end of our show. However, um, Gregory, where can people find you on the internet if they want more Wardalon content? Oh, hell yeah. Um, outside of things Kingdom Hearts, I think I'm a funny guy. I do funny stuff. You can find me on Instagram at Gregory underscore Bordelon. B-O-R-D-E-L-O-N. That's Bordelon. me. Bordelon. All right. That's Griff, man. Tell the people some stuff about where they can find you. Hey, Game Boy, go, go to Game Boy's Pod on Instagram. That's all I'm plugging the, to the today. Game Boy's Pod. Or go to Dad's new apartment on Facebook. I got some video there. I got a new video there. Go watch it. Go on to Craigslist.com and type in Griffin Needs Homie. You can find his <laughs> post right at the top. Yeah. Willing to pay you. To be his homie. <laughs> oh, all right. And you can find uh, the new Party World Wrestling event. Baja Blast is officially officially happening. It's official. So go look that up and check it out. Um, we're going to be streaming the show from Houston on Twitch Blast. at twitch.tv slash Wrestling. And then, yeah, check out Game Boy's Pod here. Check out Game Boy's Pod on iTunes. Review and subscribe and give us five stars. It's so or helpful give, give to the, the show. Give us the stars that you feel we deserve. Leave a no, review. Only get, no, wrong, Griffin. Only give five stars because that changes the way the search algorithm works. If you give us fewer things, more or less people will find us. I'd rather you give us nothing than a four star. Uh, only if you think we're a perfect podcast. Jesus Christ. Griffin, I really think you're misunderstanding the function of a five star review. Um, but that is it for today. <laughs> I'm your host, I am Lux, your co-host is Griffin Davis, your guest is Gregory Ortolan, your editor is Haley Clemen, your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morden, and your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, internet, we love you very much. Bye! Kingdom Hearts 2, simple and clean is the way that you make me feel. Tonight, tonight, tonight. <laughs>